Welcome to the New Song Church Sermon Podcast. Here at New Song, we want to help people get to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions about us or want to learn more, you can check us out online at www.new-song-church.com. We'd love for you to stay connected with us throughout the week through our church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. Just search keyword new song. And now, check out our message of the week. Okay, so get your sermon notes out. Are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? All right, we're going to conclude this series that we're in right now called Exodus. I will tell you, over the next two weeks, we have another series called The Cross Equals Love. That'll lead us right into Easter Sunday. And the next, the next three Sundays, uh, we have April 7th, 14th, and then 21st is obviously Easter all three of those Sundays are great Sundays to bring somebody to New Song. They're going to hear the gospel every single week for the next three weeks. Obviously, they're going to hear more than that too, but they're going to have a chance to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. So definitely start inviting. Don't wait till Easter. Start inviting your unchurched friends and family members and coworkers and neighbors right now, and let's see what the Lord would do in their lives. We are coming to this point that the Israelites are ready to enter into the promised land. Remember Moses, we've been really studying about Moses over the last three weeks and and how he led the Israelites out of uh, captivity, out of Egyptian slavery, and he took them uh, on this journey that should have lasted 11 days, but it ended up lasting 40 years. And they find themselves needing to cross a river, but there's a city on the other side. Does anybody know the name of that city? Jericho is the name of that city. And at this point, Moses has died, and he has left a leader in charge. In fact, God has placed a leader in charge. His name is Joshua. Joshua. Now, I want to say something before we go any further in this. And this is something that the Lord has, has been teaching me really now for a couple of years concerning influence. Just because Moses has died, his influence lives on in Joshua. His influence lives on. And I know that there's a lot of talk these days about the legacy that we leave behind us, the legacy that we leave. And there's part of me that doesn't really get that. There's part of me that fully gets it, doesn't get it. I'm always kind of like, is that, you know, what, what is the legacy? And that just because you leave a legacy, does that mean people actually embrace it? Not necessarily. And people have memories. But, you know, I'm, like a legacy is not something that's really tangible necessarily. Necessarily, necessarily. If it is, it's really an inheritance. That's the tangible thing. And, and I, I want to look, I want you to look at it differently when you look at the word legacy. That legacy actually has to deal with influence. That, that Moses left a legacy of following his heavenly fathers, of living a life of faith. And, and thankfully, Joshua embraces that legacy. He embraces that influence. So Moses, Moses has died, but his legacy or his influence remains. And, and I'm going to say something to all of us here in this room this morning, that no matter what happens to you in the future, no matter, no matter when you go be with the Lord, if you're a, a Bible-believing Christian, obviously to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So all of us as Christians are going to go into the presence of our Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Now, what are you leaving behind? 
What, what is your legacy? What, let me say it this way. What influence, what influence do you have in life right now? And who is being influenced by you? What are they seeing in you? What are they watching in you? And if they embraced who you are when you pass, would they be godly? Would they be, would they be men and women of faith? Would, would they be men and women who generously give of their time, their talent, their treasure? Would, would they be people, if they, if they looked like you when you passed and they embraced who you were, would, would they actually look like Christ too? Would they look like our Savior? Meaning this, the greatest influence we could ever have in someone's life is for us to be Christ-like. It's for us to be Christ-like. See, see my, I, this is something I've understood. My, my highest goal in life isn't to be the best Justin I can be. My highest goal in life is to be like Christ. In fact, the Bible says that. That we are to be imitators of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are to live a Christ-like life. In fact, that's why the Holy Spirit empowers us. He empowers us to be like Jesus. So, so can I just confront something in culture? Like, well, I need to be me. I just need to be me. Can I tell you something? There's a higher, better way to live life. Why don't you be like Christ? Why don't you be like Christ? Because I know me. Me isn't very good. Terrible grammar, but you get what I'm saying, right? Me isn't very good. Jesus, always good. So I, I, I don't want to be true to me. Boy, I'm, I'm confronting culture right now, aren't I? I don't want to be true to me. Let me be true to him. And let him have his way. Let Jesus have his way in me. And that would be the very best legacy that I could ever leave. That could be... That would be the best influence that I could ever have upon somebody else is that when, when my time comes to go be with the Lord Jesus Christ, that people look at me and say, you know what? He was obviously a Christ follower. He looked like Jesus. He acted like Jesus. He talked like Jesus. Now that's a great influence. And by the way, when people see that in your life, um, they, they desire it. They long for it. They say, boy, I wish I could be like that. I wish I could give like that. I wish I could talk like that. I wish I could help people like that. I mean, think, think about it, everybody. Everybody in this room, you look at Mother Teresa and you say, wow. Wow, what a lady, right? I mean, she gave her life for those who were helpless, for those who were tormented, who had no hope, gave her life, lived in this room with just a bed and a desk, my wife has been there. She's seen that room. Trust me, there's nothing fancy about it. It was just a little bit, it was practically a little closet. No air conditioning. In India, no air conditioning. And she just chose to live life by serving others. And we look at that and say, wow, isn't that great? Well, what are people looking at when they see you? What are they looking at when they see you? What are they, what are they hearing when they're around you? What influence do you have? As for me, I, I want to be Christ-like. I, I want to leave a lasting legacy 
I, I want people to be influenced by, by Jesus in me, by Jesus in me, not by me. There's a difference. And Moses was an influence on Joshua's life even after he had went to be with the Lord. And that's where we pick up in Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 through 6, and then 10 through 11. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. And no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors and to give them. Now, verse 10. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go and take, and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. Why did he say, hey, in three days, we're getting out of this? <laughs> Easter's coming, everybody. Easter's coming. This, this is, is showing something. Hey, in three days, the, the, this, everything is going to change in three days. We're going to get what's finally promised to us in three days. How many know that there's no mistakes in the Bible whatsoever? And we see things throughout all of Scripture pointing to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And here's one of those moments. It's, it's a type. It, it's, it's symbolic. It's pointing us towards Jesus Christ and the resurrection after his death on the cross, three days later, he was raised to new life. And we're getting ready to celebrate that in a big way, but we should celebrate that every single day of our life. Number one, write this down. I just want you to write the word faith. I kept the sermon notes really, really simple today for a reason. I want you to focus on, on, on not all of your writing, but just on, on what I'm going to minister to you today. Faith is believing the promises of God to the point of commitment and compliance. Now, I know a lot of you might be sitting in the stream, you know, hey, faith is the evidence and the substance, and hey, why don't we say it like that? Then that's true. Obviously, it's the word of God. That's true. But I'm, I'm going to show you something about faith, that, that faith is the evidence of things not seen. It's, it's, it's the substance. It's, it's the reality of things that we've hoped for. But faith is believing the promises of God to the point of commitment and compliance. Commitment. I'm going to commit myself to the word of God, and I will obey it. I'm going to commit myself to it. I'm going to embrace it, and I'm going to obey it. See, remember the New Testament says, hey, if you have faith, you're also going to have deeds, works. Let me say it this way. If you're really a person of faith, there's going to be obedience in your life. There's going to be a commitment to the word of God, and you're going to do what our Heavenly Father says to do. If you're a real person of faith, the Bible says faith without works, that's actually dead. It's not real. It's not alive. So, so faith, then, is believing the promises of God to the point of commitment and compliance. That is one of the things that we see throughout the course of Joshua's life. 
faith, faith. And in fact, remember when Moses had sent the 12 spies to go spy out the land, out of the 12 that came back, 10 of them said, don't do it. It's scary. But there were two guys who stood up and said, you know what? With the help of the Lord, we got this. We can do this. Don't be discouraged. Who were they? Joshua, Joshua and Caleb. By the way, Caleb's, the, the name of Caleb actually means faithful. Literally, it means dog. Just if you, there's a Caleb in the room, sorry. You know, I'm sorry. But it really, obviously, what do we always say the dogs are? They're faithful. To, to, they're just faithful animals. They're, they're faithful to their owners. Well, Caleb means faithful. Joshua proved his faithfulness, and that's why the Lord handed this task over to Joshua because he knew that Joshua was going to be faithful, that he was going to know the promises of God. He was going to commit to them and comply to them. He was going to be obedient to them. That's why he, it, so let me prove this to you. God, so God is speaking to Joshua and he said, listen, I know that Moses is dead, but his influence isn't. And the way that Moses embraced me, so I want you to embrace me too, Joshua. And by the way, all of those promises that I gave to Moses, they now apply to you. They are going to happen to you because Moses is dead. And now you get to enjoy those promises. So I'm making you some promises, Joshua. And so, so hey, 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 Joshua, look at me, look at me. So don't be scared. Don't be fearful. Be strong and courageous. So I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. My promises will come about. To which Joshua responds, amen. So be it. I'll do it. And he didn't say it like that, but that's what he said. Okay. I, I am going to commit to your promises, and I'm going to obey them. So much so that he makes this big announcement to the entire camp. We're going in three days. We're going in three days. I, I'm going to teach you something about faith here about the promises of God, about, about the reality that you face. And, and, and I'm going to ask you a question, whether you commit yourselves to the promises of God and obey the promises of God. Because sometimes our reality is not a reflection of God's promises. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes our reality is not a reflection of God's promises. So what do we do? I remember, you know, as a, as a child, my mom was trying to teach us about faith, and, um, but I was just a child. I didn't understand. And I, I would go to my, my parents and say, I've, I've got a cold. My mom said, no, you're healed. I'm like, nope, pretty sure I got a cold. You know, nope, you're healed. You need to say you're healed but I'm not, you know, like, how many know what I'm talking about? Like, and it, see, see, it's the promises of God where, where God is my, God is, is not just my, but our healer, capital H, he's my deliverer. He's our deliverer. He is Jehovah Rapha. It's who he is. He is healer. How many know that to be true in scripture? And, and when Jesus, when Jesus was being whipped, there were stripes that were placed upon us on his back, and by those stripes, we are healed emotionally, physically, spiritually, in every single way. We're healed by those stripes. Jesus purchased 
He purchased our healing. And I know those things to be true. I know that those that I know that, that that is true, but at the same point, I'm looking at my life and saying, yeah, but the reality is I still have a cold. But the reality is I'm still in pain, but the reality is somebody's still mistreating me, but the reality is I don't have enough money, but the reality is my children are still rebellious, but the reality is, what do we do about that? If, if faith is, is embracing the promises of God and committing to the promises of God and believing the promises of God and, and obeying the promises of God, because a lot of his promises have to do with obedience, by the way. When he says, if you, then I, if you, if you do this, then I will do this. God says multiple times in multiple ways. So what do we do when God's promises do not reflect our reality? Our reality doesn't reflect his promises. Can I, can I ask you a question? I'm going to ask you a question. What are you looking at when your reality doesn't reflect the promises of God? What are you looking at? Let, let me say it like this. It, it's not what I see in that moment. But here's the question I have. What does God see in that moment? It's not what I see. What does God see? It's not what I see, but what does God see? We went through a time many, many, many years ago, um, probably eight to ten years ago. And I could tell you the whole story, and it, it had nothing to do with, there, there was no fault of anybody's. It wasn't my fault. It wasn't the council's fault. It wasn't anybody's fault. Uh, but we got that bad news one day. We, we, we said, okay, we're going to lease this building. We're going to remodel it. And we had $75,000 for it. And then the building commissioner said, actually, no, uh, you need to hire an architect. And what we thought was going to cost $75,000 ended up costing us $175,000, and we didn't have the money for that. And I kept seeing the, 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 the checking account here at the church just go down and down and down and down and down and down and down. And the reality was we were running out of money. I would go to God and say, God, look what I see. But on the inside, God was asking me to see what he sees. Yeah, yeah, I know. I got your reality. But why don't you look at my reality? My reality says, my promises say, I will provide all of your needs according to my riches in Christ Jesus. You'll never go without. I am Jehovah Jireh, and I will provide. Now, now do you get it? In this life, you have the choice to either look at your reality or to look at God's reality. And faith says, I'm embracing God, your reality. I don't see it, but it's there. It has substance to it. It's going to happen because it's your promise. It's your promise. So I'm not going to look at what I see. God, I'm going to look at what you see. And what you see is the answer. What you see is the provision. What you see is the healing. So therefore, I'm going to look at what you see. That's why the Bible says, get your eyes off of you 
and set your eyes upon the author and the finisher of your faith. Amen? Amen. So we live by faith. And Joshua led by faith. Second thing. Second thing. I want you to write this down. Fight. Fight. And we're going to look at Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. And then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Weren't we just talking about that? God, God looks at Joshua and he says, hey, hey Josh, hey, buddy, come here. See, I've delivered Jericho into your hands. And Joshua had to see that by faith because it had not happened yet. Amen? It hadn't happened there. So what's he doing? He's looking at it by faith. He's looking at it by faith. Man, that'll preach right there. I could go off, but let's move on. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its kings and its fighting men. March around the city once with all of the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry, seven, er, carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. And when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up. Everyone straight in. Number two, fight. That you have to obey God's word even when it doesn't make sense. You have to obey God's word even when it doesn't make sense. Why? Why? Because we have to see things that God sees. We have to see it the way that God sees it. And when we see it the way that God sees it, all of a sudden we're going to fight in a different manner. We're going to fight in a way that doesn't make sense. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes, if you really are in touch with the Lord, sometimes uh, he'll have you do some things. Other times he won't. Sometimes you'll say, no, 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 I got this. You just sit back and relax. Oh, yeah, but God, I've got it. Blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. Be, be quiet. You just go home. I got this. Now, how, how many mature believers in this room, you know exactly what I'm talking about? When God says, no, no, I'm going to fight for you here. You don't have to do a thing. There, there are times in my prayer life, everybody, there are times in my prayer life that I, that I can just pray for things one time, and I don't have to pray for it anymore. I just know God's got that. There are other times I, I got to ask, keep asking. I got to knock and keep knocking. I got to seek and keep seeking. I got to be persistent. And you say, well, what, what, how do you know? Just listen to the voice of, of the Holy Spirit, and he'll let you know. Just listen to the voice of the Holy, Holy Spirit. He'll let you know. <laughs> Smith Wigglesworth, uh, I don't know if anybody knows Smith Wigglesworth or know of him. He's obviously passed away, but um, he would have, he, he, uh, just healings would accompany his ministry by the thousands. And, and people would come in line, and they would stand, and, and he would pray over them. And then sometimes, in fact, many times, just miraculous would happen. I mean, absolutely miraculous things would happen. But sometimes it didn't. And those people would go oftentimes to the back of the line and go back through, and Smith Wigglesworth would look at them and say, I've already prayed for you. They're like, yeah, but I didn't get healed. Well, that's not my fault. 
My, my, my faith, I'll have to pray once. So uh, that now it's your battle. So next, <laughs> and you think, well, that's kind of mean. Well, uh, let, let me tell you something. There are mighty men of God and women of God who are not necessarily normal, but it doesn't make them mean. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm telling you, some of the greatest men and women of God, they're sometimes unique. They're just sometimes unique. I don't know how to explain that. It's not that they're not loving. They are. They're just unique. And, and how many know that God can just use anybody? He can just use anybody. And, um, and that's, that's for the glory of his name. No, but, no doubt about it. So you have to fight by obeying God's word when it doesn't make sense. Let, let me give you some examples of this. There are some people in this room that you, you have relational issues, and you know what the Bible says. Or, or a counselor or a pastor has told you what to do, told you maybe even what not to do, but you think to yourself, no, that's not going to work. That's not how this is going to be won. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight in this manner. I'm going to do it this way. Can I, can I tell you, sometimes the fight that you have doesn't make sense. Sometimes you're going to read the Bible and it doesn't make sense. There have been times where ladies have come and said, well, my husband does this and he does this and he does this and I've tried to do that and that and he doesn't listen to me. And, 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 and I'll take him to what, what Peter says about, about wives and husbands and how, and how wives should, should handle living in the house of an unbeliever, for instance. And actually, the Bible says to do this. Have you ever done this? No. Well, why not? Because that doesn't make sense. That's not going to work. Okay, but you're seeing your reality. You're not seeing God's reality. You're seeing what you believe to be true, but you're not seeing what's actually true. And you need to fight a different fight now. You need to fight it not by your manipulation, but you need to fight it according to the word of God. And the word of God says you're doing it all wrong. And sometimes, as much as they'll say, okay, okay, I'm gonna give that a try, sometimes they still don't. Because when they get back home, they, they choose to fight their way. And, it, it, and, and we try to tell them, if you've been fighting your way for the past five years and you're not winning, what makes you think that you can do it another week and it's going to work this time? If you've yelled at your spouse 20 times and nothing's changed, in fact, it's, it's only gotten worse, what makes you think that, well, if I yell one more time, maybe this will get his attention? Really? How many knows that doesn't, I mean, if you're outside and your emotions aren't tied to that, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. You know that yelling doesn't work, but you yell anyway. Could it be that God has a different style of fight for you? And maybe that fight is just don't fight. Let him do it. Because um, I've told you this before, there's no vacancy in the, Holy, in the Trinity. The Holy Spirit's uh, he's doing his job, and you're not the Holy Spirit. And you, you don't have the ability to convict your spouse. Have you, have you ever noticed that? You don't have that ability. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. There's no vacancy in the Trinity. The Holy Spirit does his job and does his job very well. And you're not the Holy Spirit. So sometimes you just, I'm going to take a back seat and just let God get this for me. And you just need to fight a different type of fight. Let's go to Joshua chapter 6, verse 20, or chapter 6, verse 20, and then 27. When the trumpets sounded, and of course, this is obeying God's word, even when it doesn't make sense. When the trumpets sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall 
collapsed, so everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. Verse 27, so the Lord was with Joshua. The Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout the land. Now, this is so interesting because Joshua is, is well known for his, his warrior reputation. But can I tell you something? These battles that Joshua fought were not actually his battles. Those battles belonged to the Lord. And, and trust me, the Lord did it. But sometimes Joshua got the credit. Can I tell you something? Let's live our lives where God always gets the credit. Let's live our lives where God always gets the credit. But the Lord was with Joshua. The Lord was with Joshua. Write this down, number three. Favor. Favor is when God demonstrates his pleasure in me. Favor is, let, let me say it like this, a, a simple, a very, very simple definition of favor is when God demonstrates his delight. He demonstrates his delight. Now, now the good news, everybody, I, 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 I want to explain it like this. The Bible obviously is very clear that every follower of the Lord Jesus Christ has the favor of God upon their life. But can I also say this, that there are different levels of favor, that, that the Bible says that you can actually seek the favor of the Lord, that you can pray for the favor of the Lord. The Bible actually says, too, that you can speak a blessing of God's favor upon somebody. Now, does that mean that God, that, 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 that uh, how do I say this? Does that mean that God lets us get by with whatever we want to do? And like when we, when we are sinful or when we give into temptation or does that mean that God lets us get by with all of those stuff without disciplining us? No. So, so some would say, well, I'm, I'm being disciplined by the Lord, therefore I don't carry his favor. Can I tell you something? Because you carry his favor is why he's disciplining you. He loves you. He delights in you. The Bible says in Zephaniah 3.17 that he rejoices over you with singing, and his discipline is because he delights in you, that he wants you, he wants you to live your best life. And sometimes he, sometimes he gets our attention. Sometimes he allows things to happen that we don't fully understand, but I promise you that he works all things out for our good, for our good. See, see, the favor of the Lord is when he demonstrates his pleasure in me. Well, pastor, I'm in a fight, though, but, I, but I'm in a fight. So Joshua, had a, he had a few fights, didn't he? In fact, can I tell you something? Try to look up every single man or, great man or woman of God in the Bible, and I'll promise you this, you'll see the favor of God upon their lives, but you'll also see that every single one of them faced a few fights in their day. They faced some battles. They faced some trials. They faced some struggles, but they still carried the favor of the Lord upon their life. And if you are a Christ follower, if you're passionately devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ, if, you, if you've embraced the gospel of grace, you carry the favor of God. Now, he's still going to teach you. He's still going to instruct you. Sometimes he's still going to discipline you. Sometimes he, he's going he's gonna to let you take a few hits sometimes in order for, for him to get your attention. And we can see that in Scripture. 
mighty men and women of God were favored and yet struggled. But, but let me tell you what the Bible says about favor. Psalm 512 says, For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover them with favor as with a shield. Who, who do you cover with favor? As with the shield, who do you protect because of your favor? Those who are in right standing with you. How many know that as Christians, passionately devoted followers of Jesus Christ, we, we have right standing with God because of Jesus Christ. He is our righteousness. Therefore, as I've already been telling you, as a, as a follower of Christ, he covers us with his favor like a shield. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Well, that's good news for you today. Are you being encouraged by this? It gets better. It gets better. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands. That's one of those places, I'm gonna pray that over you. That's one of those places that you can, you can bless people with the favor of God. Have you ever blessed your family with the favor of God? Children, I bless you with God's favor. Let it be on all of us. You gotta speak that out. For the Lord our God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly, Psalm 84, 11. Psalm 30 says that God's favor lasts a lifetime. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. But pastor, I don't deserve it. Yeah, neither do I. Neither did Mother Teresa. Neither did Billy Graham. Name the greatest of the greats. Neither did Moses, neither did Abraham, neither did, did, did Peter, neither, neither did Paul. But pastor, I don't deserve God's favor. Yeah, nobody does. But he gives it anyway. He gives it anyway. He bestows favor and honor. He doesn't withhold anything good from us. His favor lasts a lifetime. Psalm 89, 17 says, By your favor, God, you make us strong. I'm not weak. In my weaknesses, he's made strong. And he shows himself strong on my behalf, the Bible says. How abundant are the good things that you've stored up for those who fear you, that you bestow in the sight of all on those who take refuge in you. The abundance of good things, Psalm 31 says. Romans 8, 28, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That's favor. That's favor. That's him demonstrating his delight. Isn't that awesome? Surely goodness and love will follow me all of the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, Psalm 23. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all of the days of my life, not because I deserve it, not because I'm good, but because he's good. But because he's good, he's faithful, and he delights in me. He doesn't delight in my sin. He doesn't delight in that. But he shows grace, and he shows mercy, and he saves me from my sin. He delights in me. Not because of my goodness, but because of his goodness. He delights in me. My, I have four children. Sometimes they sin. 
I have always delighted in them. Always. They have captured my heart. How many know what I'm talking about, parents? In our humanity, if we delight in our children and we know that they're not perfect, how much more will God in his divinity, in his perfect grace and mercy, delight in us? And we have reason to rejoice today as he shows us his favor. Stand up with me. So are you like Joshua? I want you to stop looking at what you see and start looking at what God sees. I, I want you to stop looking at your sickness and look at God's healing. I want you to stop looking at your lack and start looking at his provision. You gotta see what God sees. And then you gotta fight, even when it doesn't make sense. What that means is that you're gonna start obeying the word of God. That's, that's fighting the good fight of faith. Yeah, there's gonna be some struggles but you're gonna be a person of faith. You're gonna rely on the favor of God. You're gonna know that he works all things out for your good. Even in the struggles, he's still gonna show you favor. But boy, this is, this is tough. Oh, Justin, I know, I know. Every great man and woman in the Bible faced tough times. God continually showed them his favor because he's good. I'm going to bless you with the favor of the Lord today. I want you to open up your hands to receive this. And I want to say, first of all, if you're not a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, today's the day. And I'm going to pray a prayer first, salvation, and then Pastor Pat will talk you through that. And if you have anything you want to pray about today, by all means, we'll have the prayer team up here. We'll already pray for you. But I want to bless you today. First of all, Father, we recognize that we are sinners in need of a Savior. Save me. Pray. Save me. Cleanse me from all of my sin, all of my unrighteousness. Thank you for doing it. Thank you that everybody who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And we call upon your name. Now, Father, I speak a blessing over every passionately devoted follower of Christ here in this room, over every Bible-believing Christian in this room. Lord, I bless them with your favor that you would cover them as with a shield. Lord, may your favor be upon us. And I declare that you will establish the work of our hands because of your favor. Lord, I declare that you're going to bestow honor, that you will not withhold anything 
from us as we walk uprightly. Lord, I declare and we agree upon it that your favor lasts a lifetime. That weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. And I declare that your favor is going to make us strong. And that you have an abundance of good things that you're going to give us because we take refuge in you. And Lord, I bless every person in this room with the supernatural revelation that knows in their heart of hearts that you work all things out for the good of those who love you and who've been called according to your purpose. Lord, and I bless this community of faith with goodness and love that would follow us all the days of our lives and that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord, I bless this community of faith with your favor, not because we are good, but because you're good. And we receive it now in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. If you receive the favor of the Lord today, say amen. 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 Can we lift up our hands and just bless the Lord for a second? Father, we bless you. We worship you today because of your favor, because of your mercy, because of your grace, Lord. We thank you that we're fighting good fights of faith. We thank you, Lord, that in the middle of a battle, you're with us. We thank you, Father, that, we, that our reality is not a reflection of your reality. In fact, Father, that your reality is true. What you, what you see is what we want to see, Father. We want to see the promises of God. We want to know your word. We want to know what you know, Father. So we look past our circumstances. We look past what we think is reality, and we look into the reality that you have for us, that you are provider, you are healer, you are deliverer. And we look to you, and we thank you, we thank you, we thank you for your favor in our lives. We thank you for showing us your favor and declare it in Jesus' name. Amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a part in what God is doing in your life. And we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to www.new-song-church.com backslash next steps. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.